There's, there's not much of a better way to come up uh, than, than after a song like that. Um, uh, I, although I didn't hear as many people testifying as, as I think the song called for. Uh, but I, I'm really glad that you're here today. Welcome. It's so good to see you here. Uh, uh, and a special welcome to those of you joining in St. Jacob tonight for dinner church or, or online later. We're so glad uh, that you're here. Uh, I know everybody's stomach is probably grumbling a little bit uh, because it's a little bit later, our, our biological clocks, and folks at St. Jacob are eating pasta right now, so uh, I hope you're enjoying that. Uh, but uh, for those of you I haven't had the opportunity to meet, I just want to introduce myself. My name's Andy. I'm uh, privileged to be the senior pastor here at Troy United Methodist Church, as well as overseeing um, the ministry in, in St. Jacob. Uh, so welcome. Uh, over the past few weeks, we have been um, really talking about, uh, you know, our mission 1-8, which all stems from Jesus' final words uh, to his disciples, g giving uh, them and us a mission, a mission to be his witnesses, um, even to the ends of the earth. Um, uh, a little family business uh, first here today, though. Uh, I specifically want to make sure that, that you all know about <clears throat> no November 18th, two weeks from today. It's a, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a, a, a big Sunday around here. It's a Share Thanksgiving Sunday. You received uh, some information in your bulletin about that today. Uh, many uh, dozens of us will be putting together uh, meal baskets and making deliveries to folks in our area uh, for Thanksgiving. Um, and, uh, and so we, we just really feel that we're blessed as a church uh, to be a, a blessing to the world around us. Uh, so that's, that's Share Thanksgiving on November 18th. We're also, uh, November 18th, though, is also the final Sunday in our Mission 1-8 series. Uh, and we're calling that Sunday Count Me In Sunday. And, and our hope uh, really all along has been that everyone who calls Troy UMC their, their, their church home uh, would, would participate and be here that day. It's our prayer that, that everyone will uh, uh, be a part of the Mission 1-8 challenge or uh, at least... Uh, take part uh, in some way. Uh, so uh, in the mail this week, uh, those of you who are regulars and are on our mailing list, you'll receive a, a letter with a commitment card like this. Um, and really this is what we're hopefully praying uh, that, that you all uh, will, that will each fill out and return as an offering, bring as an offering to Jesus on November 18th. It's, it's uh, uh, essentially a pledge card for our just general uh, giving uh, to, uh, through the church. Um, in 2019 and 2020. Uh, so, uh, so we will continue to step out and be witnesses of, of God's love for all people uh, here uh, in our community, in our region, and around the world. The card is pretty straightforward, uh, but, uh, but it asks you to, to kind of calculate a monthly giving uh, over a 24-month period and add in any uh, special one-time gifts. If you give on a different schedule, uh, uh, weekly or anything, you can feel free to manipulate that any way that you need to. But it's the, it's the box total on the bottom that will really help our leaders be able to determine how far into our Mission 1-8 initiatives we can step. Uh, without being financially irresponsible. Uh, so, so even if you feel like uh, what you have to offer, what you have to give, maybe you're not changing your giving at all, isn't much, uh, uh, please turn that in. It, it helps us uh, be financially responsible as we step out in faith uh, in, in for Mission 1-8, uh, for the sake of Jesus' mission. And if you have any questions about that, uh, definitely uh, uh, call the church office. We want to help you through that if you, if you have any questions. Um, and dinner church, folks, uh, really, all that you need to know about Mission 1-8 is that, that you are a huge part of why we're doing this. 
um, in the first place. Uh, we're responding to Jesus' call to be generous so that we can offer ministry opportunities like you're experiencing uh, right now. We want you to know more than anything else that the God of the universe is crazy about you and that he's got meaning and purpose for your life. Um, and that dinner church can hopefully be a safe place for you to hear the, the good news of Jesus Christ and be a part of, of a community. Uh, so, uh, but I, I want to be sensitive to everybody here, everybody uh, gathered. Uh, I, I understand that that when the subject involves money on a Sunday morning, and, and, and I invite you to take part in a, like the Mission 1-8 challenge like I just did, that, that sometimes uh, that can conjure up some negative feelings inside. Uh, I, I get that. Um, maybe, maybe you're feeling a little bit icky that once again the church is asking for money. Um, and, and I don't know what, where that may have come from for you, but, but I, I understand it. It's not an uncommon feeling. Uh, maybe you're thinking to yourself, I'm, goodness, I'm tired of hearing about money. Uh, uh, maybe you're even in your heart voicing the title of today's message, enough already. Uh, but what's fascinating, though, is, is that Jesus regularly taught about money and possessions um, and, and it was his foremost topic of teaching uh, outside of teaching about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, why, you might wonder, was it because Jesus was money hungry? Uh, absolutely not. We all know better than that. That wasn't why. Uh, but it was because Jesus knew that our attitudes about money and possessions and the accumulation of more and more and more, that that, that was deeply spiritual in nature. Uh, the that, that oftentimes Jesus recognized that, that money and possessions would compete for the special place in our hearts that needs to be devoted and dedicated to God. That it, and in fact, he said in Luke chapter 16 that you cannot serve both God and money. Now, uh, a couple of things on that statement that Jesus made. First, you may be unsure that you even want to serve God. Uh, that, that may be where you're at today. And and if that's you, please know that, that I'm glad you're here or in St. Jacob or watching online. Um, I, I'm glad that you're investigating the Christian faith and that you're actively seeking. That, that's a huge step on uh, one that we want to honor. Um, and, and take your time. Uh, go, go at your own pace. Nobody's going to force you into anything. Maybe, maybe in time you'll experience the love of God in such a profound way that, that you want, that you come to a point of wanting to serve God. Uh, with your life, including with your finances. But until that time, no, no pressure. Uh, th this church just wants you to know the, the love of God and experience the love of God and know that, that he is uh, offered to adopt you into his family, to become a, a child of God. Um, of course, there, there may be many of you here today who are grateful to God for, for saving you, for rescuing you, for breaking the chains, like the, the song that we just sang. Um, and and yet when it comes to an invitation to serve God with your money like you're receiving uh, today, you, it's still possible that you could begin to feel a little bitter about it. Um, but friends, godly, godly generosity, godly giving should never, uh, should never cause bitterness. And we'll discuss that a little bit more next week. But if that's you, then, then that should be an indicator right there, that something is out of place, that, that something in the equation isn't right. Um, uh, and I would just encourage you to search for the why behind that. Search for the why. Why is it that this is causing some bitterness inside of me? 
Uh, maybe uh, seek out a uh, talk with a trusted friend or a spiritual counselor and, and try to get to the, the bottom of that. Um, but in the meantime, you have my complete permission, uh, although you don't need my permission, uh, but you, you have my blessing to sit this one out. Uh, and don't feel compelled to give from a heart that is risking bitterness. Uh, we want each person to give out of gratitude, out of, out of a joyful heart that wants to give Jesus uh, our very best. Still, all of that said, it's important to recognize that according to the scriptures, Jesus is very concerned about money. And, and truth be told, he's concerned about your money and, and, and my money. Uh, Luke chapter 21, the scripture passage that, that you just heard, read from, uh, it tells an interesting story that if you've never heard uh, before, might, might make you think a little bit differently about Jesus and money. It might, it might surprise you. Uh, let, let me give you a little bit of background to the scripture passage. Uh, Jesus was in Jerusalem, uh, kind of the, the center, the hub of uh, Judaism, of the religious practice of, of uh, Jesus' people. Uh, he was in Jerusalem, and he was at the temple, which was like the, the very center of the hub. Um, uh, the temple was the very place where the presence of God dwelt. Now, now today, since... Uh, since the church was born and Jesus uh, gave us the gift of his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God's very presence dwelling in the hearts and lives of his followers. And so his presence goes with us wherever we go. Uh, but at the time, this was before the, the gift of the Holy Spirit was, was given to people. Um, and so, so uh, the presence was only at the temple. Uh, and so this was a very important place. People, uh, both Jewish men and women, uh, would, would come to the temple to give their offerings and to worship the Lord. And, and so uh, Jesus was standing out in this outer courtyard uh, of the, the temple. And in the courtyard, there were um, a te these temple treasury receptacles. Uh, we know this from archaeology. There were 13 of them. And, and they, they were shaped uh, like a big funnel. Uh, kind of an, a, about this size, a funnel that people would throw their coins into, and then it would travel down into a kind of a collection area that, that people couldn't get to. Um, and so people would come and make a variety of different types of offerings um, in the, this outer temple courtyard where everybody was welcome. Um, and so uh, they would, they would uh, sometimes make a temple tax. There was a receptacle for that. Uh, there were some other types of offerings that were made. And then there was a whole section that was just free will offerings that people would generally come and make from, in many cases, from long distances to Jerusalem. And, and so on this particular day, Jesus uh, was in this highly trafficked area. And usually when he was here at the temple, he would, because there were so many people, he'd just be kind of open air teaching and people would gather around and listen. Uh, but on this particular day, Jesus uh, wasn't teaching. He wasn't preaching. Now, he had a reputation, so people were probably looking toward him, but he was silent. Um, and and it, this, this is what the scripture said. He, he was standing there, get this, watching people make their offerings. A little bit awkward, don't you think? Um, I mean, that's, that's kind of maybe a private matter between you and God. Jesus was watching them make their offerings. I was, I was studying this passage. Uh, it, it came to my mind that maybe uh, we should throw up during the offering time um, instead of having lyrics to songs, we should just throw up a, a, on the screen a big picture of Jesus' face. Uh, just looking, 
Just so that all, we all remember that Jesus is watching while we're making our offerings. That would be just tremendously welcoming, wouldn't it? Uh, but, uh, but anyway, that's what Jesus was doing. In this passage, Jesus was doing just that. He was watching people make their offerings. Um, uh, if you're a note taker, you might want to write this down. Jesus is concerned about your giving. Uh, your giving and mine. There's no way around it. Uh, Your giving matters to God. Uh, Jesus taught so much and so often about money and possessions because he was concerned about it. Jesus was, was watching people make their offerings because he was concerned about their giving. And, and it makes me wonder, well, if he was concerned then, uh, he's, he's probably concerned today too. Um, Anyway, the Bible, the Bible says that Jesus observed uh, many rich people, wealthy people, dropping in their, their gifts in these receptacles. Um, and in, in the book of Mark, which uh, also kind of tells the, the same story from another disciple's perspective, um, in the book of Mark, it says that Jesus saw uh, these wealthy people putting in large sums of money into the collection box. So he's watching these wealthy uh, relatively wealthy people giving a bunch of money. And then the passage shifts to, to verse 2. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Uh, the scriptures say she dropped in two bronze lepta, uh, the, the smallest, the, the least valuable coin in Jesus' day. Now, I, I want you to take a look at this picture. Uh, if you can, they'll, they'll come up on the screen. Uh, this picture of, I, I hope so, of some coins. Do we have that? Uh, yes, good. Uh, these, are, these are coins uh, that were Roman coins uh, during Jesus' time. And, and the first one here on the far left is the silver denarius. This was uh, uh, typically uh, a day's wage for an unskilled laborer. Now, I'm trying to translate this into present-day language. So, so let's say uh, that represents $8 an hour for eight hours. Just a rough estimate. Uh, so what's the math there? $64. Good. Um, you're following. Uh, so, so, then, so that's the denarius. Then uh, to the lower, lower right there in the middle bottom is the silver shekel. And this represents a four denarii, uh, which is a four days' worth of wages. Uh, we're not going to ask you to do the math on that one. But uh, the one above that is the, the silver half shekel, which is two days. Uh, but but if you, uh, those of you familiar with the scriptures and the story of Jesus and his disciples uh, later on in the week uh, of the story that we're reading now, Judas, one of Jesus' disciples, betrayed Jesus for 30 silver shekels. You, you do the math there, and it ends up being roughly $7,400 or $7,500. So $7,500 is about what Jesus or Judas betrayed Jesus for in, in a modern-day equivalent. But then to the far right, you have the bronze pruta and the bronze lepton. And these were the, the least valuable coins. The pruta was worth 1 64th of a denarius. So since we have $64 from our math earlier, just think of this as a dollar. So it's a dollar coin, and the bronze lepton is, is half of that, so about 50 cents. Uh, so while, uh, in the scriptures, while all of these wealthy people were making their large sums, their, their donations, their contributions, their offerings, this poor widow, uh, someone who um, 
had no livelihood of her own. That's, that was the state for women in Jesus' time. If they, if they were a widow, if they didn't have a man in their life, they had no livelihood. Uh, they were dependent on the men in their lives. And, and so she had no livelihood, no way of, of making an income uh, at all. And, was, uh, and she put in the equivalent of a dollar. Uh, enough to buy five or six slices of bread in, in her time period. So while she was doing this, Jesus spoke up to everyone who was listening. And Jesus said this. He said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Uh, If you're writing notes, write this down too. Jesus isn't just concerned about your giving. Jesus is also concerned about how much you give. Jesus cares about how much you and I give. Uh, not, not just of our time and our energy and our passion, but specifically from our pocketbooks. Now, now l- let me provide just a little clarification here. Th- this obviously ra- raises the question, well, how much is enough? How much is enough to give? You, you might ask as the plate gets passed and Jesus' picture is awkwardly <laughs> looking at us, how much, how much is enough uh, that, that I should put in? And that's a great question and one that doesn't have uh, clear answers. But I think from this passage uh, that we can draw at least a couple of principles uh, out of it. Uh, first, I think that this passage highlights the importance of proportional giving. Uh, theologian uh, Warren Wiersbe uh, says it this way. I love the way he said it. He said, when it comes to our giving, God sees more than the portion or, or the sum, the amount. Uh, he also sees the proportion. Men see what is given, but God sees what is left. And by that, he measures the gift and the condition of our hearts. Proportion matters. Uh, When it it comes to Count Me In Sunday, uh, you might feel like what you have to write in that bottom box is small and insignificant. You might feel that way. And compared to the sum of what someone else may give, you, you very well might be right. But Jesus isn't comparing sums. Uh, not at all. He's observing the proportion. Maybe your portion is small, but your proportion is much bigger. Such that Jesus would say, this, this one is given so much more than any of the others. Um, from this passage, I think we can also learn the importance of sacrificial giving. You know, the amount of the gift never matters as much as its cost to the giver. Uh, to God, it's, it's never the size of the gift, but the level of sacrifice that matters. And as you prayerfully open your, your heart to hear God's whisper of, um, about what you should give, uh, reflect on your own level of sacrifice. Um, does it hurt? My sense from this passage and, and other teachings of Jesus is that it should. It, it should hurt. Um, King David in the Old Testament, um, there was a point in his ministry, uh, in his life, uh, uh, where he wanted to make a sin offering. It was, it was right after a war, a battle, and David wanted to uh, just to, to kind of heal the, the, the broken relationship that he had with God after this violence. And, and so he went to make a sin offering, and one of his subjects... Um, offered David to give him the land 
and all the materials to make an altar and the, the, the animals to sacrifice. He, he offered to give David everything to make this sacrifice to God. And, but David refused the gift, saying this in 2 Samuel 24. He said, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. For I will not offer to God that which cost me nothing. How much should I give is, is a valuable, worthwhile question to ask yourself. I, I know I, I regularly ask it. I wrestle with that question. And, and I love uh, C.S. Lewis's answer. Um, he said this. He said, I, 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 don't, I don't believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In, in other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc., is, is up to the same standard common among those who have the same income as our own, then we're probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they're too small. There ought to be things that we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditures exclude them. A proportional and sacrificial giving, it costs us. It, it hurts. Uh, according to the story of Jesus at the temple treasury, that's, that's the kind of giving ultimately that that God looks for, that God desires. He looks not at the amount, not at the sum, not at the portion, but at the proportion. He looks at the sacrifice, how much is left. So as you reflect on, on the, the generosity ladder over here, which uh, we've been looking at throughout the last several weeks, um, think proportional and sacrificial. Uh, where are you now? Where is God calling you to stretch yourself to be uh, respond to his call. Make, make a sacrifice. Take a step or two or more on the ladder. Don't settle for giving out of your abundance and your, your surplus. Like the widow, uh, give out of your poverty. Now, uh, I know doing this uh, causes a little bit of anxiety and fear. I get it. I, 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 I feel it too uh, at times. And, and you might ask the question, if I give proportionally and sacrificially, if I give in that kind of a way, what if what remains isn't enough. And there's that word again, enough. What is enough? What, what if I don't have enough? Um, Anne Frank, who I'm just making the assumption you know who she is, was. Anne Frank, she tapped into a deep truth uh, about giving when she said this. She said, no one ever became poor from giving. In, in her youth, she recognized that when you give, you, you actually receive. Uh, you, when you give, you're in touch with the, the heart of God who is above everything else, generous. The more you give, the more you experience the heart of God and you begin to understand his generosity for you. And you quickly learn that no matter how much you give, uh, portion or proportion, you, you, can, you can never outgive God. Uh, no matter what you may sacrifice for him, he has already sacrificed so much more for you and for me. And his motives were pure, no obligation, no, no coercion, no guilt. No matter how hard you try, you can never outgive God. You always, always, always end up receiving 
more in return. I'd love for you to hear this heartfelt testimony from a long-standing member of Troy UMC about this, this very subject. Would you turn your attention to the screen? Okay, my name is Rita Brandt, and I have been attending Troy United Methodist Church, uh, and have been a member for almost 40 years. Uh, this has been our church home for many, many years. I would uh, like to tell you my story about giving to the Troy United Methodist Church and how it has become an important part of my life. And there was a time in my life when giving was a struggle because of uh, unexpected circumstances. I became a single parent of two teenagers and uh, so giving was a little bit more difficult but I, uh, it was important to me to continue giving. My family had always been a giving unit, but I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to continue giving as we had given before. But uh, during that time, I kept looking up scriptures that talked about giving. And one that was quite apparent, Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in the house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room contain it all. So this was what gave me the springboard to test God. He told me to, so I did. And it has been a blessing. It helped me through some really rough, tight times, but God was always there. He was always faithful. And I... Uh, have been doing this ever since and really did not look back after I once made the decision to tithe. I um, was a teacher, my career was being a teacher and when um, our lives changed, I was the sole breadwinner of my family and so I was tempted at times not to perhaps write the check because things were pretty tight. But I remember one particular incident. Um, I was kind of in a quandary as to whether I was going to write the check or wait until the next week to do it because school was not starting until the next week. And it was the end of the month and a teacher only gets paid once a month. But for whatever reason, I guess it was God's nudging, said, go ahead, write the check, even though you're not going to get paid until next week. And I remember sitting at the dining room table writing out checks on Saturday, and that afternoon, my check came in the mail. 
and never had that happen before, nor did, has it happened since then. We always got our check on the first day of teachers' meetings. So I felt like that God had tested me whether I was really going to be willing to step out on faith or to hold back. And so he encouraged me to step out on faith. Um, never once did I really second guess or <clears throat> really even think about not giving my tithe because God proved over and over to me in tangible ways, uh, in spiritual ways, um, that he was providing and that he would continue to provide. Well, I think God has protected me, uh, has given me good health. He's helped me um, financially. I was able to have my house paid for before I retired. Um, and if there was ever a time that someone needed something, I've always been able to help. So I feel like that in every instance, God has provided for my family. And I'm thankful for that. And I'll continue to give according to the abundance that God has given me. My um, feeling or recommendation would be if someone is just beginning to um, start the adventure of giving is to first of all, just start where you are and begin to gradually increase that by small increments if you feel that you can't jump right in and do the 10%. Uh, just start where you are and sit down and look at your finances and decide, okay, there are some things that maybe I could give up or not spend money on. We have to be uh, careful with our resources that God has given us and not be expect extravagant things, but to expect the everyday blessings from God. Um, I hope my story has encouraged you to, uh, no matter where you are in life, to begin somewhere. And I'm always available to talk to anyone who is trying to begin this journey because I've been there and, and I know it's, it's worked for me and I've been blessed. Thank you for listening to my story. You know, somebody once said, when it comes to giving until it hurts, most people have a very low threshold of pain. Not Rita. I, I hope her story is an encouragement to you. Uh, she, she's a giver, but, but the truth is, no matter how faithful she has been, she, she can never outgive God. In fact, Jesus has given us the greatest gift ever, the, the open door invitation into the family of God. Not just now, but for all eternity. And, and when we were lost and without hope, God, God sent Jesus to rescue us, to, to bring us back to the Father. And, and I am personally just uh, so thankful that when it came to the, the call of Jesus to ultimately lay down his life and sacrifice his life on the cross in order to welcome us into 
his family, in order to, to make us pure so that the very presence of God could dwell in us. That he didn't say, Father, that's a little too much to give. Enough already. And as we follow him, he invites us to model our lives after him. To become a living sacrifice as witnesses of his love to all people everywhere. Let's, uh, let's stand together and pray. Father God, we, we're, we're inspired by the story of the poor widow who in her poverty gave all that she had. Father, would you stretch us? Would you lead us out of our comfort zones into a place where, where we must depend on you? Like writing that check before ours comes in the mail, not expecting it to come in the mail that day. Would you put us in a position where we must depend on you? We confess that when it comes to giving until it hurts, we do uh, often have a low threshold of pain. We scream enough already, far sooner than you modeled for us. Thank you for your disproportionate gift in our favor. Thank you for your sacrifice that was for our benefit. Lord, we want to honor you, not, not uh, by giving our leftovers or not maybe even thinking about giving it all, but instead by giving you our best, knowing full well that we can never outgive you. So we receive, once again, the amazing and generous gift of your love poured out for us through Jesus Christ. May the, the, the gift of his spirit your very presence in us, transform us to be your witnesses to everyone here in our community and around the world. In Jesus' name.